If you've ever felt stagnant in your relationships, maybe it's a relationship with a sibling, maybe it's a relationship with your parents or with your spouse, the Bible has a lot of generational wisdom for you with regard to growing your relationships. Today, I'm going to spend some time talking about how we can grow our relationships in 2024 and beyond. If you would like some encouragement in this area of your life, stick around. This is the Heidi St. John Podcast. I think you're going to be encouraged. Thank you guys for joining me today. Today's podcast is being sponsored by my friends at Brave Books. And I am super excited. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see that I'm holding the brand new book in my hands. It is called The Mouse and the Sea. It actually releases today from Brave Books. And you guys can be a part of the Freedom Island Book Club by just going to bravebooks.com and punch in the promo code Heidi to get 20% off your Brave Books family subscription. Listen, guys, I love this company. They're doing great things for kids. Our kids are being assaulted uh, from the National Library Association, from the National Education Association, and Brave Books is really doing something that's making a difference. And check it out. You guys use the promo code Heidi and you can get access to their monthly subscription. You're going to get a brand new book in the mail every single month. And first book you're going to get is my book, The Mouse and the Sea, which releases today from Brave Books. Again, you guys use the promo code Heidi. If you haven't had a chance to join me at the Faith That Speaks community, I am taking women through the book of Esther for the month of January. That study is called Esther, A Story for the Ages, and it really is a story for the ages. It doesn't matter how many times I've heard it. God always teaches me something new, and uh, this has been no different. I've loved going through it. But I think it's interesting because this is the the one of the most celebrated stories in all of human histories. Movies have been made about it. Books have been written about it. Uh, sermons have been preached. An entire Jewish feast, the Feast of Purim, centers around this story. But my big takeaway from the first part of the book of Esther is very simple. You guys want to hear it? Here it is. Husbands don't like to be embarrassed by their wives. Full stop. It seems simple, but it's really pretty profound. It turns out this is a common feeling among men. Even today, husbands need to de- need and they desire respect from their wives. There is, of course, a point where respecting your husband and respecting yourself can come into conflict. And this is exactly what happened in the story of Esther as chapter one opens up and you can see King Xerxes is holding a feast for all the noble men and the Bible records that he said there was absolutely no limit on the wine that they can drink. And so, of course, they became drunk. And in the midst of the drunkenness, King Xerxes asked for his wife, Queen Vashti, to come. And basically, he wanted to show her off to all of these other men who were also drunk. And of course, Vashti was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Who could blame her? I wouldn't want to do it either. But this, of course, resulted in her being banished. She lost her crown. And actually, it's kind of surprising knowing Xerxes that she didn't lose her life. But it's so interesting because Queen Vashti then becomes... Uh, the center of the story in the very beginning. She's in a very delicate, a very dangerous situation, not because of her own doing, but because of the sin of her husband. I read this quote out of the Clark Bible commentary. This is what it says. What woman possessing even a common share of prudence and modesty would consent to expose herself to the view of such a group of drunken men? 
her courage was equal to her modesty. She would resist a royal mandate rather than violate the rules of chaste decorum. Hail, noble woman, be thou a pattern to all thy sex on every similar occasion. So I took from this reading again of the story of Vashti that this was a woman of character. She was like, no, I appreciate that you want me to come and meet your friends, but I'm not going to do it while everyone's drunk. There's no way to know the tone, of course, that Vashti took with her husband. But for those of you who are married or hope to be married someday, this is a really important lesson. We are called to treat our husbands with kindness and respect. But Xerxes made a terrible mistake when he used the dignity of his wife as a means to show other men how to behave toward their own wives. And as a result of his foolishness, the main concern of the men around the king was not how she was dishonored. It was how their own wives would hear about Vashti's conduct and her refusal to submit would become normalized throughout the kingdom. So Xerxes was wrong not to honor the dignity of his queen. And yet we read about this and we're going to study it as we move through the story. Xerxes is known for being a rather unreasonable man. I think it's fascinating to, uh, as a woman now living in 2024 and noting what other women are going through around the country, we do not place a high value in the culture anymore on honor. It's one of the things that we have lost, I think, particularly in the age of social media. We don't place a high value on honor. We don't place a high value on respect. And yet we see that when we move those things out of where they're supposed to be, uh, trouble follows. And that's exactly what happened with Xerxes. It's a precious thing for a wife to respect her husband, but respect cannot be forced. It cannot be coerced. It must be given freely. It must be earned. And I think that as we think of our own marriages, our own walk with the Lord, how we treat our children, how we treat each other, you guys have heard me say before, I'm going to say it again, not to sound like a broken record, but you can't pass on what you don't possess. And so I was thinking about how we could grow our relationships this year. Interesting that I'm starting out in the book of Esther because there's a lot to be learned about relationships. We can learn a lot from the way uh, Haman's wife interacted with him. There's so many interesting facets to relationships in the story of the book of Esther. It really is a story for the ages. There's politics in it. There's bribery in it, murder, plots, conspiracy, fascinating time to study this story. But it's also a good time to take a look at our own relationships because as we move into 2024, we are going to have an opportunity to either grow those relationships or damage them. And so I want to take you through five things that I wrote down as I was thinking about relationships and what I want in my own life in 2024. And I hope that it encourages you because God's word is relevant. It's relevant to your life right now. It's relevant in your relationship with money. It's relevant in your relationship with your children, with your spouse, with your neighbor. God has created us, as you heard me say yesterday, for relationship. If you guys are watching this show on video, you'll notice that I am wearing my one of the shirts that I love for this year. It says, Be Happy. It is my Snoopy shirt. And I'm wearing it because I want to remind you as a listeners that we have a responsibility to be joyful in our relationships with other people. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is the unmistakable sign of the presence of God at work in our life. And I hope that as we move into 2024, 
we have a renewed commitment to exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. It's not enough for us just to say we believe something. We want to live that out. So the first thing I want you to do or to consider as you grow your relationships is to have a commitment to honoring Christ above everything else. You guys, when we do that, when we put God's priorities and God's word in front of us, then the rest of those things can fall into place. But if we miss that one piece, that that cornerstone, that foundational piece of every relationship that we will ever be in, our other relationships will struggle. Psalm 63 verse three says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. This is the Psalmist David recognizing that everything that he has that's worthwhile comes from God. His steadfast love in our lives is better than life. We can't get to know our spouse unless we spend time with them. We're not going to know our children unless we spend time with them. And we won't know the Lord unless we spend time with him. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In Exodus 20, verse three, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. Think about that for just a second as we enter into a new year. When the Bible says you shall have no other gods before me, it's easy for us just to think about the Israelites and the fact that they made uh, idols and, and idol worship was a part of the culture of both the Hebrews and the Egyptians in this time in, in human history. But we have all kinds of gods that we put before the one true and living God. We worship money in the culture. We worship uh, we worship our devices. The Bible teaches us that our priorities are demonstrated in the way that we live our life. And that's sort of the second thing is that we want to be men and women who have our priorities right. Uh, platform is something that is coveted in uh, Western culture, certainly coveted in modern culture. It doesn't matter where you go. You could be an illegal alien crossing the border at the southern part of the United States, and the first thing you're going to get when you get here is a phone. Uh, we are absolutely addicted to being able to communicate, addicted to platform, all of these things. And in so doing, I think we often set ourselves up for failure. The Bible says you shall have no other gods before me. So the question then needs to be, what is it that we honor above God in our life? Maybe it's money. Maybe it's time to ourselves. Maybe it's clothes. Maybe it's our relationships with other people. And we're putting those things ahead of the Lord. And I know in my own life, it's very easy for me to put something ahead of the Lord because I didn't put a high value on spending time with the Lord that day. And we want to have our priorities in order. Luke 12, 34 says that where our treasure is, that is where our heart will be. So where is your treasure? We can find out a lot about our lives and our relationship with God simply by noting how much time we're spending with him. And it's important that we lean into what God says is right and we have our priorities in the right order. You guys have probably heard me say this before, but I'm going to go over it really quickly with you just so that we are all on the same page as we're talking about priorities. The Bible lays out our priorities, right? You should have no other gods before me. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So out of an overflow of what happens between me and my creator, I pour into the second most important relationship in my life, which is my marriage. Some of you are like, well, you're a mother. Yes, I am a mother. But my primary responsibility at home is to nurture the relationship 
with my husband, with your spouse. That's the one you want to nurture. So out of an overflow then of what God does between me and him, I'm going to pour into my spouse. And out of an overflow then of what happens between my husband and myself, or maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, I really need to spend more time with my wife. You guys, listen, don't neglect these relationships. You want to mess up 2024? Stop dating your spouse. That's a really great way to do it. These priorities are God's priorities, and God's priorities need to be our priorities. So out of, out of an overflow of what happens with you and your relationship with the Lord, you pour into your spouse. Out of an overflow of the good things that are that are coming out of your marriage, you pour into your children. And that's when, as the home is stable and as the foundation is secure, that is when we're able to pour into those around us. I've noticed over the years uh, as an author and a speaker, uh, I spend quite a bit of time out on the road and and I know many people that uh, travel and speak for a living. And I could tell you stories all day long that would just make you weep about people who sacrificed the very best things that God had given them for the thrill of five minutes of fame or to see how many likes they could get on Facebook or how many followers or how many YouTubers or uh, we, we do that to our peril. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. God says that we are to have our priorities in order. First Timothy 3 verse 5, this is the Apostle Paul uh, giving encouragement and exhortation to young Timothy. And it says this, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? This is an, ex- an exhortation, right, to young Timothy as he's getting ready to go into the ministry to say, listen, if you can't care for your own household, you don't belong in the ministry. And I wonder what would happen if we really held our ministers to that standard. If we were saying, hey, we, we want to, uh, how how's your marriage? How are your children? How's your family? It's important that we honor God's priorities. The next thing I want to encourage you to do as we move into 2024 is to connect offline. All right. So we are addicted to our phones, addicted to social media. Uh, I find this is true of myself. If I'm in the car and I'm bored for half a second, I'm going to pull out my phone and just start scrolling through the pages of social media, or I'm going to check my email or whatever it is. We need in real life relationships. And one of the things I think that honors the Lord, and certainly God's been impressing it upon my heart more as I move into this new season in my own life, is to connect more with the people that God has given me jurisdiction over. In other words, certainly, first of all, it's with my children, right? And my grandchildren. And that is my primary responsibility as a woman who loves the Lord, as a wife and as a mother, God has called me to to steward and manage and love those people well. It's why you always hear me say, love your people well. But I think it's really easy for us, and I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, so try not to get offended. But I, I sort of alluded to this yesterday, and I'm going to hit on it again today because I think it's really important. We live in a, in a day and age where we sort of 
like to go to our little, you know, our little hobbit hobbit homes and we sort of hole up and and stay away from the general public. And then we think that interacting with them is what we do online. So we've got a million armchair warriors, but we don't have a lot of in real life warriors. We got a lot of people talking about the crisis in, in uh, the government school system, but we don't have a lot of people out on the front lines actually doing something about it. We've got a lot of armchair warriors talking about the National Library Association and the junk organization that it is, we don't have very many people actually moving away from social media and and asking the Lord, how can I actually affect change so that good books are being offered to children? You see what I'm saying? It's very easy to be an armchair warrior. It's my This is my beef with several of the organizations that I see out there right now that are raising an awful lot of money. And my question has become lately, what are you doing? What are you doing besides raising money and getting people riled up? What kind of lasting change are you making? I'm going to be talking a little bit tomorrow about the importance of education and why I think education is the number one issue going into 2024. Education, education, education. It matters. We've got to get away from this idea that we can live our lives online and start moving away from these online platforms. I'm not saying abandon them. I'm not saying you know, you, should, you can never be on them or anything like that. But what I am saying is it's never been more important than it is right now to actually put feet to your faith. This is why I love the Faith That Speaks community so much. If God, uh, if God gives you a direction, answer him, obey. And we can't do that by just sitting on our computers all day long and being armchair warriors and commenting on Instagram and feeling like we've done what God's asked us to do. Do you know your neighbors? Are you working uh, in community? When was the last time you paid attention to what was happening in the government school that's in your neck of the woods? God wants us to connect uh, in real life, and we need to do that offline, not just online. Fourth thing I'm going to encourage you to do is to practice gratitude. And I love this idea of just absolutely leaning into a heart of thankfulness. I heard Pastor Jack Hibbs the other day uh, talking on, on Sunday morning, and he was saying that when we become grumpy and irritable, what that does is it exposes a heart of ungratefulness. When we have stopped being thankful for what we have and we start just being grumpy, that grumpiness is really a spirit of ingratitude. And in 1 Thessalonians, the Bible says this, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. So it doesn't matter. The Bible's not giving us any sort of an excuse to not be thankful in whatever situation that God puts us in. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you fall down and break your arm and you're supposed to be thankful for that, but I am saying that we can find a point of thankfulness in it. Why? Because we know that the Bible is true. And God says he's working all things together for our good. Psalm 118 verse 24 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He doesn't say, this is the day that the Lord has made and if everything goes good, rejoice in it. He just says, God gave you another day, be glad. God's given you another day to make a difference, another day to serve him, another day to talk about him. Uh, when you rise up and when you lie down and when you, uh, whenever you have conversations with your children. Colossians 3.17, again, this is the apostle Paul who says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I wonder what would happen, men and women, if we cultivated a heart of gratitude. What would happen if in 2024, 
instead of complaining, listen, I'm talking to myself here too, so I get it. But instead of complaining about what we don't have, if we really start saying, Father, thank you for what we do have. Thank you for the men and women that you've called to the front lines. Thank you that I have a wonderful church that I go to. Thank you for the roof over my head and the job that you've given me and the purpose in my life and the direction. We want to be thankful to the Lord in whatever we do, everything that we do, whether it's raising our children or whether it's cooking dinner. Uh, my my uh, mom and love came upstairs uh, last week and I was, you know, admittedly, I will admit, it was probably 1030 or maybe 11 o'clock at night, right in the middle of the holiday week. And I had been, I felt like just washing dishes all day long, dishes in the morning, dishes in the afternoon, dishes at night. And I felt like I had asked for help and I just wasn't getting the help that I wanted. And so my mood was kind of getting darker and darker and I was getting just kind of a bad attitude. And my mom, uh, my mom in love came upstairs right before she went to bed and she goes, Heidi, I just read this. I thought I would read it to you. And I'm standing there at the sink and I've said, okay, you know, and she was reading to me a passage in scripture about being thankful. And then she was talking about everything that we do, even the things, especially the things that go unseen by the world. And she said, man, Heidi, every time you wash the dishes, you're honoring the Lord. Every time you serve your family, you're honoring the Lord. And even though other people may not see it, the one who matters actually does see it. And it was such an encouragement to me and such an exhortation that I immediately had a change of attitude because I was like, oh, Lord, I am sorry. I have not been honoring you with the way that I've been serving my family today. And I'll tell you what, you guys, it's a game changer. And God blesses it when we are thankful to him in everything that we do. Uh, Everything that we do should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we want to give thanks to God as we do it. And finally, I'm going to encourage you as we move into 2024, each one of you has a gift. God has given you a gift and we are part of one body and every single one of us has a different part to play in it. And what would happen if we used our gifts to serve other people? Uh, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 10, God has given you each a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Ooh, we should talk about that, shouldn't we? Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Christ Jesus, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. If that didn't make you stand up and say hallelujah, I don't know what does. Because you know what it tells me? It just tells me that God has given me the gifts that he's given me so that I can serve other people in his name, in his name. This is the apostle Paul said, listen, you are there for Christ's ambassadors as if he were making his appeal through you. Come back to me, come back to me. This is the heart of God for this generation. It's the heart of God for us as we move into 2024. We want our relationships to to strengthen and to grow and to honor the Lord. So the first thing we want to do is commit to following Christ in everything preeminently. That means above everything else, our commitment to Christ comes first. The second thing is to have right priorities 
third, connect offline, really focusing on those in-person relationships. Frankly, it's one of the reasons why we started the Homeschool Resource Center and why we have focused on in-person homeschool cooperatives with our ministry for the last 25 years. Because we believe, and I think this patterns after God's heart, that relationships, we are built for relationships and they need to be fostered in real life. Four is to practice gratitude, that heart of thankfulness that says, thank you, Father, everything I have is from you. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every good thing, men and women, that you have in your life. Do you have a good marriage? Praise the Lord. Did God give you children? That's a good gift. It's from the Lord. Every good thing that you have in your life comes from Him. Say thank you. How do we say thankful? That we're thankful to the Lord. We live in Him. We walk in Him. We have our being in Him. And we tell other people about Him, which leads me to number five. Let's use our gifts this year to serve others according to 1 Peter chapter 4. That we recognize that the gifts that we have are not just for ourselves. That God gives us those gifts to serve other people. I can think of a whole lot of people in my life right now that have extraordinary gifts. And they're using them to serve the Lord. And in so doing, God multiplies the gift that he has given them. So use your gifts to serve the Lord. I'm so looking forward to what God's going to do in in the year to come. As I was, uh, as I was getting ready to record this podcast today, I was, you know, looking at the news. I noticed that the, the, uh, the president of Harvard now is being forced to resign. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's a little bit, it's uh, too little too late, but I'm still, uh, I'm still, you know, glad they they finally got around to it. But tomorrow I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk a little bit about why I think in 2024, education, 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 we need to focus on what's happening in our schools, what's happening to our children. It's not just happening in the big cities. It is happening in little towns across the United States. There is a five alarm fire happening right here in the United States. It's in our government school system. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit tomorrow. And I'm going to make a case for why I think you should care about that and care about it in such a way that you're actually motivated to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. I want to thank our sponsor today. Again, Brave Books is a sponsor for today's podcast. And you guys can sign up for the Freedom Island Book Club by going to bravebooks.com and using the promo code Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, to get 20% off that family subscription. And I might add, you will get my shiny new book, The Mouse in the Sea. I can't wait for you guys to get it. I am so excited to be part of the Brave Books family, and I know you guys are going to love it too. Subscribe today at bravebooks.com, and you'll get a brand new book every single month. Great gift to give to your grandkids. Ask me how I know. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. Love your people well. Get off the bench and onto the battlefield, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and